and welcome to episode 100, 111 of Talking Talky. Uh, I'm Will Taylor. Today, a very, very busy episode today to obviously talk about um, all the ongoings in the world of Talk United. I'd like to say I'm joined by Nick French. Hi, Nick. Good evening. How are you, my friend? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. And also the wonderful Chris Ballard as well. Chris, how are you doing, man? I'm good, Will. How are you? I'm okay. I'm well. I mean, I, I guess if we're being completely honest about Torquay, not great after Tuesday night's result. It's been a bit of a, a tormenting time to be a Torquay fan, more than usual, hasn't it, lately? Um, you just look at the last few games and it's incredible we haven't got any points out of the last three games. Really, it should have been at least, uh, some. you know, the way the games have gone, you could argue we could have got five points out of them. But it's just not fallen our way at all, has it, Nick? No, it, it feels self-inflicted as well now. Um, from from the minute we went 2-1 up against Dorking, everything seems to have just sort of fallen apart somewhat. You know, you had you had a mad five minutes with obviously Kieran Evans getting himself sent off and then the, the two goals that went in for, for them, which were essentially the same goal twice. Yeah. Um, and then we've just managed to find new and unique ways to lose football matches in the last, you know, <laughs> last four or five days. Yeah, I mean it's it's quite incredible, isn't it? I mean, I think you're you're right to almost pinpoint that Dorking game as the as the turning point because straight after half time, I mean, in that game, for example, I thought half time came completely at the wrong time for us. It looked like, and then you know, all of a sudden we come out fighting in the second half. It looked like, oh god, this actually might be a turning point for us. And then all of a sudden we're sat here a week later without without any points at all. I mean, Chris, what what have your thoughts been on it? Obviously, I know you're able to watch a lot more now of National League TV and all that sort of stuff, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, I get to watch all of them. So despite not being in the right country, I can probably watch more football than most of the people who actually live locally. So that's helpful. Um, what's not helpful is the continued uselessness of our team. Um, I think, you know, I know we spoke about Dorking, or we didn't, but the pod spoke about Dorking last week. So I don't want to go into that too much, but it's it was a real sliding doors moment I think when as soon as Evans got the booking which at the time I thought was very harsh but I've looked at it since and perhaps he was deserved in which case he needs his head examined um if that doesn't happen I feel fairly confident we're going to win that game 3-1 possibly even 4-1 the South End game we were crap for the first half I don't think anyone is disputing that we deservedly went in a goal behind I think yeah and but having got the equaliser you think oh that's here we go Let's push on for a win. If we don't get it, a 1-1 draw is still steadying the ship a little bit. We can see it in an idiotic way. And then last night versus Bromley, I thought we were actually pretty good. Uh, I mean, it's it's a classic hallmark of a relegation side to play well and still lose, though. So um, once we got the equaliser in that game, I thought we were going to crack on and win until some idiotic decision-making from two players, which I'm sure we'll get into when we talk about the individual games, cost us. Um, I would like to know if Mark Costed has ever saved a penalty because I can't remember him really getting close to one. I thought last night was the closest he got. So maybe in 2027 he'll actually say one. Who knows? I thought was uh, there not one again in the um in the FA Cup? He saved one, but he palmed it straight back out into the, into the attacker's path and he tapped it in. So even I when he has saved one, it's resulted in a goal. So they might as well have scored it. And I've generally saying. been pretty pro Mark Holstead this year, I think. He didn't have to do too much to be better than last year, let's be honest. But I think he's been solid. Um, 
But, you know, some of the decision-making, certainly in last night's game, was questionable. I say some of the, one of the decision-making <laughs> was questionable. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's a classic sucker punch from a team who's trying to chase three points because they know they need them and they get, you know, stuffed. Um, it's, it's a shame because ordinary, in an ordinary season, you know, if we weren't right down the bottom, if we were comfortably mid-table, a 1-1 draw at home to Bromley would be creditable but we're not in a position of being able to take draws now. So exactly. we have to win as much as we can. And that's what cost us against South End. That's what's cost us against, against Bromley and against other teams. And I think I said on, on Twitter where all of my brilliant thinkings can be, can be read um, that 20 games this season, I feel like we've either played well and still lost or we've been better than the other team still lost. And that's mm. classic relegation fodder. It is. It is. You're right. I mean, just starting on on that South End, South End game. Then, I mean, it was it was one of the, it was quite a feisty atmosphere at Playboy from from what I saw as well. There was a a lot of back and forth and all that sort of stuff. Um, and you know, I I, I hear things that it it was a, a bit rowdy in pubs before and all that sort of thing. Um, obviously, them not knowing if they were going to play another game for the club, I think that might have had a hand in how that game unfolded because the the, the South End players, to be fair to them. Um, were absolutely dying for the shirt. And I don't think that's necessarily something we've seen loads of this season, uh, perhaps more than than in previous years when we've looked rubbish. I think there are some players that genuinely do care. I, I think Tom Lapsley would genuinely run himself into the ground for Torquay. And, and there's, there's a few select players that do. But at the same time, like, I agree in that first half against them. Pull yourself back into the game. And... Uh, I'm interested to get your thoughts on this, Nick, but I don't think we should be committing as many men forward in the last minute for a, for a free kick where you're teeing someone up. You're not even using it as a dead ball situation as we did in against Southend because you're just asking for something like that to happen. I mean, if we come out of, of, today, of Saturday's game and yesterday's game with two points, yeah, it's still not great, but you, you close, you're still closing that gap. But yet we've walked away with nothing through, through some pretty silly decision-making. Well, that's that, I couldn't put that better myself. That it was the decision making individually that's that's cost us big time on Saturday. Um, you know, you get a free kick in the last minute. It's McGavin's deliveries on Saturday, as with the majority last night as well, were horrendous. They they weren't good deliveries at no point. I mean, I think he, I I must have seen about four or five where he hit the first man from a corner. Mm. Um, his free kicks were poor. And then you get that free kick that's 23, 24 yards out, just off centre. It's it's lined up for a, for a strike on goal. You've got the opportunity to either make the keeper work, to to get yourself the goal. Even if even if it whistles over the crossbar and you just miss out on on that winner, you, you have you you have your shot on goal. To tee to tee a player up, what's going to happen there is that the defenders are going to try and steal a bit of a march on it anyway. So they're going to be two or three yards closer to the ball straight away. You've also then got your, your run-up from your player. It's it's all telegraphed. And it was just ridiculous. You've got Aaron Jarvis, the top goal scorer, stood there over the ball. Decent confidence. You're thinking, right, have a dig, have a go. McGavin's had all of his chances over the course of the game. Hasn't been particularly great. Get that shot on target. Get, get, get an effort on goal. Because that's the one thing we didn't do throughout pretty much the whole of the game with... I think De Silva possibly had our first shot on target after about an hour. Um, we had the goal through Lewis Collins, which was you know very well taken. But you get into that that you know 
what was it, 89th minute free kick, get a shot on goal. And he's he's teed it up for a player who's got no confidence, hasn't shown me anything over the course of the season, but, you know, that's by the way, let's take the moment individually. Just have a shot. And you're right, we've, we've probably committed too many men forward, but from the moment that that ball gets teed up by your top goal scorer to someone who has hasn't scored maybe scored I don't know has he scored I don't know I, I, the um, one the only one I can remember is the FA Cup against Hampton wasn't it he scored a screamer but that's McGavin it. scored the winner against um Halifax I think didn't oh he yeah win? he did yeah I thought he was the second coming to Christ when he did that as well but how wrong was I but yeah so yeah. I mean who's virtually not scored for the club and certainly I, I mean we'll get on to McGavin specifically because I've got a hell of a lot to say about him but I mean, I know what you said in, in that sense, but that's what it, why is it not T to Jarvis? Why is Jarvis not just striking? But you've, lined, but you've lined the ball up for a free kick. So what you've done is you've committed all your players forward and then you haven't you haven't added two and two together there and gone, we need to get the shot in on goal because then you've got your players forward who are committed. If the ball pops back out again, you've got mm. players on rushing then into the six-yard box who might be able to finish it off. Yeah, but we've we've committed all those players forward and then made the most horrendous decision of a free kick, which has then broken for them. And the the second moment of of individual stupidity, you know, fucking ridiculousness, is mm. that rather than actually commit to, to to making a tackle, Sean Donnellan, who fair play to him, has has been a, one of our better players over the course of the season has just backed off and backed off and backed off rather than committing to a tackle and on the halfway line, make a foul, take the guy out, force him wide, give the other players chance to get back. He hasn't done that. He's fucked about, backed off and backed off, let the guy come into the penalty area who's taken one touch around him to create an angle and has scored. It was a fantastic yeah. counter-attack. If you're South End, Jesus, that's the stuff dreams are made of. Mm. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's exactly what you'd want, isn't it? It's, it's exactly yeah. what you want. My, my my argument with it as well, like, I mean, every single person in the ground, I don't think there's one single fan that wasn't either shouting or thinking, just fouling. Even if, even if you're suspended for Tuesday, if it's a three-match ban, it doesn't matter, just bloody foul him. It's not that, it's not, a, it's not rocket science, do you know what I mean? Take the yellow, if it's a red, it's a red, get the points, go home, because you've just in all fairness, completely ballsed up what was a really good opportunity in a free kick anyway. My my the, my gripe with it, and as I said, I think McGavin's worthy of a whole conversation once we spoke about these games, is I, I watched that that highlight back where Southend counter-attack a few times because they put it on Twitter and all that sort of stuff. McGavin runs and is close to the man, stops running, runs again, and then stops running again. Now, he's not very quick at the best of times, but the lack of desire and heart from, from the players to, to either be cynical enough to make that challenge or actually get back in, in the first place, just completely, it left me completely dumbfounded. Like, I was just so shocked by it that, that you know, there are a lot of senior professionals in this squad. I know there's, there's quite a few youngsters as well. But like you mentioned, a player of Sean Donnellan's experience, for example, um, even McGavin playing for, for Kings Lynn last season, how many, he should have, learned to do that about a million times the way Kings Lynn played football. But yet there was just there was he didn't there, there was just no intelligence at all. I'm not sure if that's how you saw it, Chris. Uh, yeah, I mean I, I think you know obviously we don't want to go into the goal too much because it's depressing enough as it is, but <laughs> every single wrong-headed decision that was made contributed to that goal going in. If any one of those decisions was a good decision, we don't concede. You know, if you 
I understand pushing for three points. That's fine. If you're pushing for three points and you push everyone up, put a cross in. So at least then, if the goalkeeper catches it or it goes out for a goal kick, you've got time to reset. Trying to go for the glory goal is asking for trouble because if you don't get it past the first man, you're fucked. As that's what happened. And like Nick said, I don't know why Jarvis isn't hitting it considering the goal that Jarvis scored against Dorking last week. Um, I think... And I think we should have the McGavin discussion, Will, just a point of order, because I, I, I suspect we have very similar thoughts. Um, but to not at least pursue the guy full pelt, even if your full pelt isn't any great pace, the least you can do is run, <laughs> right? Like, I, I, play, I play football three times a week. I am slow as shit. But if I can see the ball in the opposite penalty area, I will run all the way back to my own defence. I might get there three seconds after the ball's been cleared, but I'll get there eventually. And for a professional footballer not to commit to doing the basic thing, I think it's pretty much unforgivable. Um, mm. Donnellan, or I always say Donnellan, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce his name, but let's go with Donnellan for now. He was backing off and backing off. You have to make that guy make a decision. If you go and challenge him and he gets past you or he passes the ball to the other guy, fine. But make him make a decision. What's happened is, is with that, you know, the passive play, you've basically said, go on, try and shoot, as if you don't think the guy's any good. And he put a good goal, and I don't think Halstead covered himself in glory because it wasn't that far away from him. He didn't get no, down. He, he rushed good. out at sort of the wrong time, didn't he? But I get what yeah. you're saying. Um, but it, it, it's a comedy of errors that results in that thing happening. Um, and I think it's a real shame because, and again, I think this is probably something that we'll talk about a little bit later on, but... I don't think the team is not playing for Gary Johnson. I think the team is. I don't think you come back from a goal down as consistently as we have this season without playing for the manager or at least playing for the club or the shirt or the chance of getting a contract next year, whatever it is you're playing for. I, I think there is that desire to not be shit. The problem is sometimes we're still shit. <laughs> and, and that is down to decision-making. Um, you know, there, there's a litany of things that we can point to as to why this team's not very good. Um, recruitment being probably number one but also you have to and again it's been said on this podcast before in this division there are two good teams and there are four or five okay teams and then there are 16 crap teams mm. how are we one of the four worst teams in a crap division is it, it's baffling because you, you, you can make excuses that we've been better than several sites no Borenwood were nothing they were terrible well th this is, this is actually okay Dorking were terrible Maidstone were terrible in the you know the away game that they beat us in. Halifax have been terrible twice, and we've beaten them twice, which is mind blowing that we've beaten the same side twice this season. <laughs> well, this um, this is what I this is what I wanted to get onto as well because looking at I, I watched both both those games sat, on Saturday and and on Tuesday, and I just look at it and I'm interested to to see your thoughts on it, Nick. But I just there's no way those are both teams in the top ten of this division. The quality of the league is so appallingly bad this year, I think, because I, I, honestly, I think even though they bit Southend beat us and even though, you know, Brom, Bromley beat us yesterday, I, I generally don't think if you got a, a neutral fan who hadn't watched any National League football all season and said to him, tell me which side is 24th and which side is, is in the playoffs, I'm genuinely not sure they'd have had that much of an easy job separating it. You probably could have told, but not as clearly as you would have thought, certainly not based off the second half performance yesterday and maybe the second half performance yes um on on saturday as well i mean the, the league isn't that good and that's what makes this all so much more frustrating isn't it 
it is it is um i think i mean obviously chris you you, you say you know consistently we've we've come back from a goal behind but the problem we've got is that i think that once we get that equalizer we get that goal back there seems to be some kind of well we can switch off now because we've done the hard yards we've done that hard work and come back because i think was it against woking right early on in the season we went a goal up and then conceded about three within the space of five minutes over the course of the last week or so uh, yeah the last last week or so we've done exactly the same thing in that we've gone a goal behind we've come back we've gone in front against Dorking and the same same issues again have have crept up crept up on us in that we're not we're not good enough to take advantage of those moments when we've been on top um you know we played we played virtually the same Barnet side twice in both games I've I watched both Barnet games home and away okay and Barnet were no better in that home game than they were in our away game with them. And yet we've managed to win one and lose one. It's, mm. it's the consistency of our play that has prevented us from being anywhere other than in the relegation zone. We, yeah. we've, been, we've been consistently poor. It, you know, we, we, can go, we can say we've, we've played better than teams and lost, but also we can conversely say that when we played... Halifax away, we got absolutely battered for 89 minutes and 45 seconds and came away with three points. There have been a handful of games, two, maybe three, Aldershot, Barnet, where we have we, we can look at it and say, we've played well, we've taken our chances and we won, we've won games. But it's been the consistency that's been our downfall. We can't put two good games together. We can't put two halves of football together more consistently than in two games out of 30. Yeah, yeah, that's an absolutely excellent point, and that that didn't ring truer at all than than yesterday, did it? I mean, personally, I, I was watching watching the Bromley game, and I, I know it it was close towards the end, and and like I said, I don't think there was that much between the team. But the reason I don't think there was that much between us on Tuesday night was because I, I genuinely don't think Bromley one were that up for it, and two really got out of first gear. Do you know what? Like it, it, there were times in, in in Tuesday's game where it looked like a training match for Bromley. They were just pinging it about freely, as if as if you know nothing depended on it. And and our, our, we had players running around like headless chickens without a clue where to go, with the exception of Brett and Gavin, who of course literally cannot run. He, he's unable to run. But it, 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 it's just frustrating, isn't it? That like I said, these teams aren't that much better than us, but they know it. If you, they basically, it's basically a plan. I, I'm not sure if you agree with this, Chris, but the way I see it is, is it's essentially, you know, I, can you be competent away at play more? If the answer is yes, you'll probably at least take a point away. Teams, as long as teams are competent, they beat us. Yeah, they, they know that. And again, since day three or four, we say, oh, we have no midfield. They know we don't have a midfield. So if they're patient and they don't concede, they know they're going to get given chances to go at the defence. Um, obviously, you can't pretend the defense is good when you've conceded as many goals as we have. I think it's 60 now. Um, that's you know, a shitload of goals to be conceding and then not playing the defense. Um, but you're, you're correct in that teams have figured out that if you get at us, we will probably cave. Um, you know, we've we talked about Gary time two seasons ago, not cited this year, just haven't had that 
ability to go through to the end of the game. Um, I'm going to mention the Dorkin game again. You know, you, you lose a man, okay, but you're 2-1 up and you've got half an hour, 35 minutes to go. At least look at it, you know, you'll be coached in the way, okay, we'll, we'll defend in blocks of 10 minutes. Let's not concede a goal on this first 10 minutes. Okay, well, now we've done that. We didn't do that. You know, we conceded, what, five minutes after Evans got sent off and then conceded another three or four minutes after that. You don't have, there's no, there's no backbone to the team. And I think there are players who individually have spines. I think Latvia is a good example. I've been very impressed with Nico Lawrence. I think there are other players who've done well at various parts of the season, but collectively there's no, there's no, sni- there's no stiffness about them. That There's no, you're not getting past us and we'll throw our bodies in the way. They'll throw their bodies in the way, but sometimes it's throwing it at the attacker who's just been given the ball by Mark Holstead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, it's, it's best to get onto that, I think, isn't it? I mean, just go, I mean, obviously just reviewing last night, uh, Tuesday, just going into it. I mean, it's just, it was, it was the most frustrating thing in the world, wasn't it? Especially even just going back to that first goal, right? Which is, I, I would argue the most inexcusable thing a footballer could do. They have a corner. Um, we, sorry, we have a corner. Lay it off to go short, which I hate going short for corners anyway. Never think it works. Pass it back to Brett McGavin, and somehow Brett McGavin is stood offside. It is completely inexcusable. It's ridiculous. Two minutes later, they get a corner. Man's unmarked at the right post, and, and it goes in. I mean, that is, is there a more talk United goal to concede than that, Nick? No, there isn't. Uh, like you go say about our corner, uh, you know, minutes beforehand, short corners and the players that take them deserve to be paying to play football, not being paid to play football. <laughs> Put the ball in the box. The, the easiest thing to do as, as any kind of professional footballer and professional football club is to train your players on tactics and set pieces, both mm. offensively and defensively. What you need to be doing is making sure that you are organised. Everybody knows their jobs and you have two or three different corner routines <clears throat> with ver- little variations amongst them. But the majority of them need to be placed about six to eight yards out, either front post or back post. Mm. That, that is, it's just the most ridiculously basic thing in the world when you're then defending a step piece. We'll go 10 seconds before their goal. The ball has gone sky high, dropped two or three yards out from our goal. And you've got two players who are relatively experienced footballers. You've got Halstead and you've got Wyatt, who are stood there looking at each other, wondering what's going on. I don't know what they were thinking, whether Mm. they were wondering what the score was somewhere else. But they've just watched the ball drop two yards from goal. And thank Christ, Wyatt stuck his foot out and put it behind. But Halstead, for me, there is rooted to his line, should be coming out, claiming that ball, get a yell on it, command your area. But he doesn't, and we concede the corner. From there, you've got a man on the fucking post who's not stood on the post. If he is stood on the post doing his job, the ball doesn't go in the back of the net. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. You know, you can you can lose a header. An attacker or a defender can win the header from a corner, depending on how accurate that ball in is and how how you know spot on the timing of the run is. I, I don't I don't mind if a player gets beaten in the air, they get beaten in the air. But to have a player stationed on the post, my question to that is, A, was he supposed to be on the post or was he supposed to be just inside? And B, the fuck does Aaron Downs do all week? If he's not <laughs> training, after, if he's, he's the former centre-back. 
If he's not training our fucking defenders on how to defend set pieces, what's he doing? No, it's funny you mentioned that because I think I had the same thought myself about Aaron Downs. Like, I want the management team to do well and I wish them all the success, but you're right. What's he for? And I, again, the, the, the corner that we conceded is a microcosm of our season, you know, in two minutes, the whole, the whole escapade. Um, football is a game of inches. It, you know, it tends to be decided by one goal more often than not. So the very minimum that any management team should be doing is saying, okay, well, these are opportunities for us to not concede and opportunities for us to score. These are things that we should be, especially in a struggling side, these are fairly addressable things that we can be doing during training all week. Um, and for whatever reason, I don't know if we haven't been doing set-piece training, if we haven't, that's a huge oversight, and that is borderline a sackable offence. But if we have been doing it, we're not been doing it very well. Um, because putting I'm, I'm almost corner, more worried if we have been doing it, and that's what's happened. Well, yeah, and I, I, I don't... Individual mistakes happen. Like... Halstead's, you know, the second goal yesterday, that's going to happen, but you should not be conceding goals in the manner of the corner yesterday. It was a decent header, um, but I, I, I don't remember who was on the on the back post or, you know, in the same postcode as the back post, at least. Um, but they should be clearing that. And I think that it shows you when we do get set pieces in, because in the second half, McGavin did put a decent ball in back post from the corner. Marshall heads it and hits the bar. And then I think it was Lawrence had a shot well saved by the goalkeeper so we do know what to do I just want to understand the thought process in McGavin's mind to be like you know what I'm going to drill this at a guy who's 10 yards he didn't do it gently and the guy I don't think was expecting it I don't remember it might have been Evans I don't know exactly who it was so it goes back to McGavin and it's caught offside and that's one of the things in football that drives me the most liberty short corners that result in an offside because it's unforgivable as Nick said um yeah yeah, I'm just kind of on the same soapbox as Nick there, I think. Yeah, I mean, exactly. It's, it's, it is unforgivable. And watching it unfold, is, I, I, was, I was so, so angry when that happened last night because, as you say, it is just completely inexcusable, isn't it? I mean, and the other thing, obviously, we did get the goal in the end, about 75 minutes, which seems to be a fairly common theme when, when we're 1-0 down. Um, again, I, to be honest, I, I didn't really see that much of the goal from where I was stood. It just looked like a bit of a scramble that, I mean, Jarvis, probably one of the only bright lights of the season, got, got, on, the on, got on the end of. I'm not sure what you thought of it, Nick. It was, it was a, a lovely piece of, you know, fox-in-the-box type striking. Um, it, was, it was a great turn and finish. It, it, you know, as far as, as far as goals that you score go, you know, it was a really, really nice, nicely taken goal. Um, it's... <laughs> The, the positive points. I, I'm, I'm, I kind of feel quite exhausted because I, I've, I've remained positive for the majority of the season. You, you know, you pick up a goal like that and you think, now, now we kick on. You know, it, it was a, it was a Jarvis goal. It was, it was a fantastic. Like I say, he was, he was in the right place at the right time. He put his foot through the ball. There was no, there was no doubts in his mind. There was no second guessing himself. Um, and then. You kind of you kind of want to kick on again, mm. and the same ugly shit rears its head. It's as simple as that, isn't it? That's the thing. I mean, talking of that, I mean Mark Holstead. First and foremost, I I, I find it tough with that because he, he's ultimately trying to do the right thing, isn't he? He gets the ball, 
and he's trying to roll bowl it out to the to the left back, get it up the pitch, go and get that winner and those three points we so badly need. And we need them so badly because we ballsed up on Saturday. But yet that leads <laughs> to a, a, another stupid decision. I mean, first of all, the ball have a look, Mark. I mean, he, he's the, the bit that frustrates me is he's the slowest goalkeeper at taking a kick most of the time I think I've ever seen. He'll wait five, six seconds before he actually boots it when there's a Jarvis or or Fadahunzi are making a brilliant run up, you know, up the flank. And it, 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 sometimes he won't do it. The one time he does do it, he hasn't even looked up to see where the Bromley player is, nips in behind. I mean, and the tackle for the penalty, my word. I mean, he's knocked it past him. About 25 seconds have passed. And then Donnellan's just flown into his leg. I, 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 what, I could not believe my eyes when I was, when I was watching it. It, it. it felt like an eternity from the, from the time the ball actually went past Donnellan to the time where he just crunched into his leg for no reason. Oh, Don, Donnellan had started making that tackle before Halstead had bowled the ball out, hadn't he? You, know, yeah. that you, you, could, you, could, you could see that tackle coming a mile off. And, and for a second, it looked as if the referee wasn't pointing to the spot. It was like he was giving himself a bit of thinking time. We all knew what was happening. He's gone <laughs> clear as penalty you'll ever see. Oh, he's <laughs> flown through him. It was. It's just beyond beyond words, isn't it? Almost. I mean, uh, anything past that, I, you guys might have to fill me in what happens in in the next in the final five minutes. Because as soon as that was given, I walked out because I, I I just knew exactly um, what was going to happen. And and you know, had Holstead saved that penalty, I might have regretted it, but. I couldn't even watch the rest of it because it was just to have two games that are a carbon copy of themselves within what three days is just ridiculous. I yeah I I don't know I it just like like you say if if our season could be summed up in in tiny you know two or three minute spells you know getting the equaliser and then conceding the penalty doing this you know having the free kick and then conceding last Saturday you know it just. It, after after the Barnet game as well, where where everything was so positive, mm. and the performance was good, it was it was a it was a ninety minute performance. The only chance they had was a was a, a direct free kick twenty five yards out, where the Barnet guy went, "Do you know what? I'm gonna have a fucking shot here," <laughs> because that's what footballers do. Um, you know, everything was really positive. Then Southend, the whole the atmosphere was weird the whole the whole time there. It was it's just a bizarre atmosphere within the ground. It felt quite a cold atmosphere. It wasn't a, we're all behind all the players. It just, it, it something didn't feel quite right before the game. Yeah. And it would have been the, it would have been the most undeserved point I've seen us gain in an awful long time. Had we actually managed to hold on to a point or, or got more, it would have been daylight robbery. Um, but, you know, all these, all these few minute spells where we fall apart, is where other teams don't fall apart. When we have to take on a side with ten men, we can make hard work of it. We don't. We don't blow teams away with two goals in the space of five minutes. Turn the game around and then go. Do you know what we've done our job here, lads? Let's let's shut up shop. You know, we we make we make hard work of it, or we don't. You know, we don't win win those kind of games. Um, but it is. It's these, it's these little five minute spells of absolute madness. Um, that, that have, have really cost us. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. And it's just, you know, and, and this, this sort of brings me on to my next point as well, that, you know, we're talking about a, a manager in charge who's been in, in charge of the he's been managing teams for 30-odd years. 
And the one thing it seems like we can't do, which to be fair, we've always done fairly well under him, is game management. There's just zero management of the game. Like it's so uncharacteristic of a Gary Johnson team to first and foremost not foul the South End player on the halfway line. You'd think that was bread and butter of what they're being told by him. And second of all, to to give away that stupid penalty and and roll the ball out so carelessly when you need a, a even a point so badly. Um, obviously, there was the the banner yesterday, Gary out at the end of the game. Um, I know a lot of people have, have rem- tried to remain positive and back Johnson, and I, I understand that to an extent. I've personally, since Jobel away on New Year's Day, been in the camp that it's very much time for him to go. Um, what, what did you make of that at, at the end, Chris? Is it justified? I can see why people want Gary Johnson out. I don't think making homemade signs and taking them to the match is going to make any fucking difference. I think you're a little bit of a moron if you think it does. But if it makes you feel better about your life, have at it. I don't care. Um, I have been very... I tend to be optimistic. I know that. Um, I think I've been... With Johnson, it's like, well, who who are you going to get to replace him has been my question the whole time. And I think that's still the case. However... I let's say we get out of this, right? Let, let's say we do. I would be okay if Johnson left in the postseason. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think Johnson has been an, a brilliant manager for thirty years at least. Like he was at Cambridge in the late eighties. Like he's he knows what he's doing. Um, but I do fear that either the budget or the game has caught up with him. I don't know whether our budget is so small. I can think it's in the bottom four in the division. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, people, if, if people want Gary Johnson to, to leave, that's understandable. I don't think making signs is the way to make that happen. I also think if we had an owner worthy of the name, he would have made a decision by now. The fact that Gary Johnson is still in a job is very surprising to me. Um, I don't know whether he's on a, a rolling contract and he's getting paid three grand. I don't know what he gets paid, but with the budget being as it is, can we afford to pay the guy off for a year's salary? I don't know. Um, yeah. I think it's too late to make material difference now. Ignoring the, the financial side, if you get rid of Gary Johnson now, you're not going to get anybody in who's suddenly going to make this team work. I don't think. Um, okay, yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying. I think it's worth the roll of the dice personally. That's just how I feel. I think right. they, 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 he's not getting a tune from this group, whether that's because they they don't... They, I, I don't think necessarily because they're not playing for him, but for whatever reason, tactically or whatever reason, he is just not getting a tune out of this group. And... It, you know, we're gambling with perhaps our future as a football club here. For me, it's got to be worth a roll of the dice. My problem is, and I've had I've had quite a think about this, and you think when he signed his two-year deal, we were going into a playoff final against Hartlepool. And you, you almost think he could have put anything he wanted almost in that contract for what he'd done for the club at the time. He could have said, you have to pay me £5 million if you want to sack me. And even probably all of us would have gone, yeah, 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 absolutely fine, Gary, whatever you want, as long as you stay, um, yeah. regardless of whether we go up or not. You know, that's that's great. Um, because it was inconceivable that 18 months later, there'd be a genuine conversation about whether he should still be in the job or not. So that, that's my worry, is that I, I actually, you don't know what's been written into that contract that Gary Johnson might have wanted to protect himself. Um, but... I don't know. I, I just think it's worth that roll of the dice. And I, I get what you're saying about the fans as well, Chris, but I also think, you know, you've got to have, for, just from my standpoint, you know, if you want to voice that opinion and and there are certain, there are certain ways to do it, I, I think that's a lot better than than shouting at him and calling him a dickhead at 90 minutes. Do you know what I mean? If 
it's a, it's a clear message. It's it's a little bit, you know, I, I I'd rather that than people screaming in his face, for example. So, you know, well, that, that's that's my only thing with it. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I will also say that if we had a functioning ownership, there would be an avenue to get things to the leadership team within yeah. the club. We don't have that avenue. I think we're still waiting for a fans forum four or five years after he yeah. said he would do one. Yeah. Um, so I, I do understand the frustration. And I think in some cases, it's probably the least bad way of making your feelings known. That doesn't mean it's a good way. I still no, think it's no, a crappy way of doing it. I, I understand perfectly. I've always been... I don't like to see people get sacked because it sucks. And I've been let go from jobs before and it's never fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but if we were to let Gary Johnson go, he'd be okay. He's not in the streets. It's not like if we let Ali Omar go, does he end up working in Tesco's? Like that's <laughs> what someone, Ali, you know, of Ali Omar's stage of his career would be like. So um, I, I, like I say, I, I think we disagree on the essential point of whether a new man could get a new tune out of it. But yeah. At this point, if someone said to me, Gary Johnson's gone and we're getting in Mark White, I'd be like, oh, worth a shot. Yeah, a yeah, I, I, yeah I get exactly what it is. What, what are your thoughts on it? Is it a case for you where you're you're leaning now towards the Johnson out camp or are you, are you sort of feeling the same as Chris? Um, I, I think given given what he's done for the club, I, I'm, I'm always going to be on his side as, as much as is humanly possible. Um, at the same time, I give you know the more and more weight is always added to people's arguments whether well you know whether he's the right man or not um you know both ways of venting your frustration have been um have been present in the last five five days um on saturday i sit i was sat behind the dugout and there was a bloke who at full time was giving gary johnson absolute dog's abuse um and gary johnson stood there and 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 stood there and, and took it mm. and I don't think that's the right way it's, it's you know for me it's not the right way I don't think a banner is overly constructive it's just uh, there's there's no constructive way you can you can be disappointed I think you know if, you, if you're unhappy with the way that they've played you know there's there's if you if you want to boo the players boo the players it's not my way it's not the way I do it I mean what you've got to do is take yourself back just over 12 months and people were booing Armani Little you know, and people were booing Armani Little because he'd, he'd misplaced a few passes, but he'd still scored about eight goals so far. That's, you know, and, and that was back in the November. Um, you know, it, it's it's really difficult. Would a, would a new manager get a, a tune out of the players? Possibly, you know, quite possibly. It depends who, who you go for. Now, our ownership has got a track record of appointing both the sublime and the ridiculous. Um, <laughs> you know, they, they went from... from a seven-week process to bring in Gary Hours to going 24 hours to bring in Gary Johnson. Um, I don't know if there are any managers called Gary left for them, if, if that's where they're up to in their in their dictionary. Um, I, I, are there any managers out there who, who would have the pedigree to come in? You do often get a new manager bounce. So, you know, with 13 games to go, what have we got to win? Five, maybe? Five wins takes us to 44 points. Yeah. So yeah, five wins. If you can get if you can get three wins in the first in his first four games, then that takes you you know a good sixty five percent, sixty sixty five percent of the way to you know to to getting your your points tally that you need to stay up. So I can again I can see the argument for that. Um, 
I don't know who's available. I, I, I mean, I know Daryl McMahon got the sack at, at Dagenham, but mm. it's it's whether or not the ownership has got the appetite to bring a manager in to give him a little bit of money, to give him a bit of freedom in the loan market. Now, you know, obviously we know that today Dylan De Silva's gone back. Yeah. And we know that I believe, well, I believe that um, Fada Hunzi's loan is is in and around its expiry date. Um, I've been quite impressed with him. I, I would not be too worried at all if, if he stayed. He's not going to score us 20 goals, but he certainly does occupy defenders and works very hard. So wouldn't bother me at all if he were to stay. But um, it's, yeah, it's, it's whether or not the ownership and the, the directors and what have you have got the appetite to say to a new manager, what do you need to keep us in the division? Yeah. But if they're not going to do that for Johnson and they're going to pay a hundred grand to pay him off and possibly pay up to in and around, you know, half to three quarters again for Aaron Downs. You know, that's, that's a significant chunk of cash. Mm. You know, that is a hell of a lot of money to say to, to say to somebody, you know, we'll get rid of you and we'll bring in somebody else. And we'll say to him, what do you need on top of all of that? Um, When our, our ownership have been so laissez faire about the whole situation anyway, since Ashton Gate, really, um, I, I don't I don't trust them to do it as much as I don't trust Pete Johnson to bring in a footballer who knows what a football looks like. <laughs> I mean that's that's a, do you know what uh, that's that's completely fair enough. I think I, I I saw I've sort of separated the two things in my head if that makes sense, even though I know they're very much related. I've sort of separated them in my head to just when it boils down to it, ultimately I I just think we need a fresh face because Gary Johnson now completely risks completely undoing everything that he'd done with us over the last four or five years. He could take us right back to square one. Um, and I, I don't know. I just think it's, it's one of those things where we might just have to take, take the risk on it, but I, I get what you mean. And, and it doesn't look like the ownership care, does it, Chris? No, no. I, and we've said, you know, we can make a three hour pod just on the ownership and what their long-term goals are, but, um, I think Nick was right in that if you're going to spend all the money on getting rid of a manager, why would you not just then put that 150 grand towards finding a player or two that doesn't suck? Um, so, <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I don't think there's any way that Gary Johnson is not here at the end of the season. He might not be here for much longer after the end of the season, um, but I think he's the manager we have for the next, what is it, two months? Um, and, you know, I, I despite... After yesterday's game, or after you know, yesterday Tuesday's game, um, I was properly depressed. I was like, "Fuck everything! We're getting relegated, and then we're going to lose the club." Blah blah blah. There, we still have a 50-50 shot of getting out of this. It's a crap division. Yeah. We play some teams who we should be looking to beat. Um, I am terrified that we'll get to the last day of the season and need a point to stay up mm. because that would be awful all around. Um, but I do think it's still doable. And I think that if we were to go to Aldershot on Saturday and win, suddenly we're feeling a lot more positive. The fact that we're only four points off safety is incredible, given that we lost three games this week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's 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 very a, a very, very fair way of looking at it. Just before we, we get into the pre, the preview of, uh, of that Aldershot game um, and potentially Stollyhole on Tuesday as well, I, I did just want to touch on, I, I've sort of touched on it, but... The recruitment has been so poor and the pinnacle of that, the showcase of that, if you had a showreel 
of a Talk United player to show just how bad our recruitment is, you would just show someone a video of Brett McGavin, wouldn't you, Nick? I mean, it is, it's shambolic, some of the stuff that, that, that he does. I mean, the, the corner yesterday, there was a touch he took where, which left the ball about five yards away from him. That then he ended up chasing down the right back who's 25 yards away from it still gets there before him. Like the bloke can't move. Yeah. Um, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because you could almost have a slideshow of players who haven't quite hit the heights that maybe, well, not that we would expect them to, because I don't expect anything of our players very often. Um, but you know, you had the you had the shambolic recruitment of just after the playoff final, mm. um, where you've got. I mean, we've we've had you can you can say about McGavin. McGavin's been horrendous. Ryan Hansen has been an absolute waste of a squad number um, and money as well. Um, yeah, and and, and I, I think these guys are going to be on two year contracts as well yeah, because they the you know worry, they. They they were Gary Johnson's um, and and I'll use his word marquee signing. Um, I, it feels like a fucking marquee with a hole in it. Um, but but he, they you know they were the guys that he was he was pinning his hat on, and you've only got to go as I say twelve months earlier, and you've got the Ali Omars, the Keelan O'Connells, you know, uh, Halstead. Okay, he he's. He's not been one of our worst performing players this season. Has probably been one of our slightly better performing players this season, you know. But how challenging a role has that been to just not be as shit as some of the other people? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he hasn't he hasn't been great, has he? Like, you know, he's he's been all right, but he hasn't been great. You look. You can look at it and go like, "Look, Aaron Jarvis, absolutely fantastic. He's 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 the striker that we could have done with twelve months ago, twenty four months ago. That would have. You know what, would have I, you know, I, I think if you have Jarvis in that playoff team, we win the league by by ten points. It was exactly what we were crying out for when Daddy Ryko injured. Yeah, all the, all those sliding door moments at the moment, which are us losing a game that we should win. Um, you know, we had all those moments that we came off on the wrong side of in the in the playoff season and. You know, we we hark back to it, and, and everybody will say Ashton Gate and all of this kind of shit. You know that that's it's been and gone. Yeah. This is where we are right now, and we've got we've had Dan Martin on the bench for three games. He wasn't anywhere to be seen last night. He's been on the bench for the last three games. Well, if he's not fit enough to be back, where is he? What's he doing? But you've got you've got Ali Omar, who clearly is absolutely nowhere to be seen. Mm. You know, you've you've got players that he just doesn't trust. So if he doesn't trust them, tell us, tell us that you know that that they're free to find new clubs. At least then it feels like the club and Gary and whoever are being proactive about the fact that look, these guys aren't in my plans. I'm not interested. Yeah. 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 In, in yeah in May we're going to be told that Olaf's been offered another twelve months. Yeah. Yeah. It always makes me laugh on Facebook yeah. seeing why is Olaf not given a chance because. The, the guy, the guy's Southern Prem level. That's that's sort of where he scores goals, and it's just ridiculous. Um, just just out of curiosity, Chris, do you think Pete Johnson's actually now been registered blind? Because I'm struggling to see how he's seen all these players and thought, yeah, they'll be worth a contract. I, I don't know what he does. I don't think it's what he should be doing. I mean, he's no. not very good at his job. Um, you know, we we've gone over the recruitment many many times. You know, last season coming off the playoff final, you can make excuses. It was a late start or a late finish, which are you know three weeks to get a squad together. Fine. This season, no excuses made. McGavin, 
terrible. McGavin to me is this season's Gabby Rogers because Gabby Rogers scored a good goal once and we signed him. Yeah. McGavin yeah. scored a good goal once in a crap team and we signed him. And he keeps looking to recapture that, I use this word loosely, glory, and yeah. doesn't look close. Um, Ryan Hanston being on a two-year contract, presumably. When he was signed, I was like, that's good. And there's a thing, I, I think we need to take a step back with the recruitment because a lot of the people that we signed, when we signed them, we were quite happy. Like when yeah. Hanson, okay, I'm not speaking for everyone, but when Hanson was signed, I was like, oh, captain in a team that struggled. Okay, fine. He's clearly rated. We paid him, we paid some money. I think he'll be good. Corey Andrews, when we signed him, like eight goals for Oldershot, brilliant. We've been crying out for a guy who's 25 years old and can score goals for years. Yeah. Never yeah. happened. So, you know, it's easy with hindsight to see how bad these signings have been. Um, I, I, I do find it interesting. I, I was making a list before we start recording of the lone players we've had this season. And I may be a few short, but I think I've got either 14 or 17, because three of them, I don't remember if they were non-contract terms or loanees. Yeah. Possibly three or four of them have been good. So like Kieran Evans, Will Goodwin, Nico Lawrence, Actually, Lewis Collins has done okay, and so has Tope, right? But five good ones, yeah, four or five. Yeah, like James Crow. Where the fuck is he? Is he still at the club? No one's apparently, told us. Apparently, he is, but there is no communication at all. Well, there, oh, it, this got... is endemic of the lack of communication with the club. We and like Nick was talking about Ali Omar. Is Ali Omar injured? Does he have a long term? Is he struggling with effects of the concussion? Did he, you know, run down a blind alley somewhere and hurt himself again? Because I don't. We don't know what's going on. And I know that's well, the way... Hall as well. he's, he's run down plenty of blind alleys in the last 18 that months. That was, yeah, <laughs> whoosh, That was the, yeah. But what about um, Asa Hall as well, though? You know, like, where's he gone all of a sudden? Yeah, and I, you know, I get it. Like, Asa Hall is, you know, 97 now. It's probably <laughs> very hard for him to get out of bed in the morning. Certainly, he has to get up to pee. Sometimes he doesn't do that first. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think... There's a competitive reason not to give away the farm when it comes to your squad. But also, I think there's a PR thing. And at a time when the club is perceived to be less than forthcoming, I don't think it would be that big of a deal for Johnson to say in his sat, you know, in his Thursday press call and whatever it is, like, Asa Hall's two weeks away from fitness. We hope we, can, we hope we can see him against, insert team name here, right? Yeah. Um, but we've had a succession of loanies who have been useless, Ricky Aguiar, he was here for three weeks, four weeks. He was okay, but didn't actually produce very much. Tommy Hughes, I'd forgotten all about him. Not Tommy Hughes, what a god, yeah. Yeah, like Stephen Ryan was here for a few weeks. I was never really that impressed with him, but other people liked him. De Silva, which I think we should touch on before we close the show. Um, Chin Okoli and Luke, Lucas Ness was good, but again, no consistency. And I think... It's funny because earlier on the season we were saying like it would be nice to have the same team for a few games in a row. We've had that and we've lost three games. <laughs> yeah, no, so maybe chopping and changing. Like Jacob Mensa is, I don't know actually, and he might not be a loan player. I think he might be a contracted player. He's been terrible. He's yeah. a contracted like, player. Made it. Made his. I think he came on as a sub, didn't he, against Dorking? Maybe played up front, didn't he, against Dorking very briefly, and um, and started on Saturday and. It was Again, play, play, playing at right wing back was playing that that little channel right in front of where where myself and, and Ben Curry were sat, and yeah. I, I Gary Johnson was closer to their winger than he was. Yeah, <laughs> it, I felt like was, I was closer was to their winger. Than he was. But when you you say about the communication, 
you know, we're not taking on the Gestapo. We, you know, we're taking on other National League sides. Whether <laughs> yeah. Acer Hall plays or not, it's not, right. it's not going to change tactics for, for these sides so dramatically. And we just don't seem to, they don't seem to value the right kind of communication at the club. You know, they, they don't mention Asa Hall. They, if, you know, you haven't heard anything of him. He hasn't been in the side for weeks. Mm. At Han- yet, however, in about three press conferences in four days, we were hearing about Lewis Collins's concussion protocol. Every single time he was mentioning this concussion protocol might be involved, might not be involved. That's the sort of shit we want to know. I couldn't care less whether or not you've got an auction for a football or whether <laughs> Boots and Laces are showing West Ham Man United tonight. What I want to, what I want to know is which of, which of the players that play for my football club may be involved on Saturday? Yeah. It, it, it's just, it, they don't... It's they football don't 101, them. isn't it? It's football 101. Yeah. No, I know. supporters engaged. Mm, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, it's interesting, like you said, you're right, Chris, we should mention Dylan De Silva going. Um, I think he's going to Aldershot based off what Johnson said. I don't know if anyone saw the statement. Um, it, it said something along the lines of we'll be seeing him again very soon, which leads me to believe he he he, he might be off to Aldershot. Exact same thing happened with Sinclair Armstrong last year, if you remember. Um, and it, it strikes me. I mean, what, what did you make of him going, Chris? Was it one that you thought made sense? I mean, I personally haven't been that impressed with Dylan De Silva. I think he's looked... He's looked all right because he's the only actual winger we've got, like an out-and-out winger. That's that's all he, he's the only. He's the let's only not get really. carried away with saying things like he's a winger. Like he <laughs> runs really fast and he does try, and I think that's cool. But he has no end product. I, I know he scored no. twice against Dorking. Um, I know that because I just read the article ten minutes ago. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I I have when he came in, we had. Zero pace. Any any team that features Brett McGavin in midfield has zero pace, right? He actually <laughs> makes other people slower. That's how bad he is. Um, <laughs> so when he came in and he ran around a lot and he, he went for the ball and he tried to get to the touchline, like, oh, there's a player here. What we saw was that there's a runner here. There's not actually a player. And, you know, Jarvis has been crying out for someone to put good balls into the penalty box because we could be 10th in the league if we had someone to put a good ball in the box couldn't we you know it's that it's that simple yeah and you know so the fact that he's gone back to QPR I'm not too upset I do think it would be fucking typical if he plays for Overshot on Saturday and scores against us in fact if he plays I will 100% be putting a bet on him scoring um (laughs) but you know, and again, older shot being closer to QPR, we thought we think Claire Armstrong, like you saw, that is an issue with our location. Um, but I hope that it means that we can now use that loan spot to bring in somebody who's good. Although at this stage, it's, you know, it's March. <laughs> I don't know if any of the good players will be available right now. Yeah, yeah. What good players left in March? That's the problem, isn't it? The only kind of player you're going to get is worthwhile. It's going to be someone, you know, when we had Jack Sparks from Exeter. You know, yeah. who, who they rate and they have no intention of letting go permanently, but he could do with some time playing for an actual team. Ryan Law was another one. Like, mm. he was never going to keep hold of Ryan Law. Just gone to Yeovil, I think, hasn't he? So, that again, that, that might not have been a bad sign um, if, if we'd had a free loan spot. I mean, well, what do you make of him leaving, Nick? Is it is it something you think, you know, it's it's not... Like, I personally don't think it's that big of a loss. No, I mean, I I, I want to be disappointed that he's gone. Um, but aside from taking a bit of pace out of the side, he, he's very much, he was a, a flatter to deceive kind of a player. 
Um, you know, I, I always felt that his best position for us was always going to be have him on the bench and bring him on to play against a tired defence after 70 yeah. minutes. Yeah. You know, that that always, for me, felt like his his sort of prime position. Um, I, 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 it's, it's a very QPR thing to do, that they like to, in the last few months of the season, be able to send their scouts to, to clubs close by to keep their players training with them because they'll be making a decision on whether or not they keep him. And all of yeah. this is, is absolutely fair enough. They, they don't want to be losing a scout or, you know, a coach for an entire day to come down to Torquay when they can send the same scout to Woking, to Aldershot, to Eastleigh, wherever. You know, they can send the same person to three or four different clubs to, to check on their players because they want to know whether or not that player is worthy of, of their investment for, for next season and beyond. We saw it with, obviously, like you say, with, with Sinclair Armstrong, They've got Duke McKenna's at, at Lake Norin, I think, at the moment. Um, so it's, it, it would make sense if that were the case. Um, there was a, a horrible part of me that read that statement from Gary Johnson in that, you know, they they may be looking at releasing uh, Dylan De Silva, oh, God, and yeah, think of it like he, that. he might be coming to disappoint us on a you know on a sli- on a slightly more permanent basis. Um, hopefully, that's not the case. But if it is, and they it, if they can get him to come down and sign here. You know, a little bit like Aaron Nemain, he was quite disappointing in his first few months. And then he had an absolutely rip-roaring season the following year, which was brilliant for us. You know, he, he was he was he was a big loss as well when when he got injured. Um mm. so there's there's talent there, there's there's clearly something there because you you're not gonna be a a winger at a championship club without that, but he's not going to be the player that scores goals and, and takes us to, to survival at this point in the season. So yeah, like you say, be- better to free up a loan spot and try and get somebody in who can make a bit of an impact maybe. Yeah. yeah. I think if you bring him back because you think there's a player there, that's cool. We don't have that luxury. You know, we can afford to be carrying players who may be good next season because next season he could be being good against Taunton. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we can, afford, we can afford to do that if they're coming in on a permanent basis. But what we can't afford to do is is have somebody taking up one of the loan spots where you can only have five of those. Yeah. You know, I, I I said earlier on, I think that De Silva was would have been a, a, a good squad player in a good squad. Yeah, but he's not he's not a good first team player at the moment at his stage in his career. He's not the player that you can you can pin your hat on. No, no, I think I think that's absolutely right. Um, but obviously, with the potential of him signing for Oldershot, that is who we face on Saturday. Um, I mean, it's it's a tough one to call because obviously we absolutely demolished them earlier in the season. I just get the impression that might not happen this week. Yeah, old, no, Oldershot is shit, mate. It'll be 6-1 again. <laughs> I mean, in fairness, I, I, you know, they, they were really bad in that game, I remember. But I don't know. I just get the impression it might not quite go that way. Um, I'm not sure what you think, uh, Nick. Um, no, I, I, you know, look, we, we, at the time we played old shot at home, we were completely devoid of confidence. It had come three weeks after that game had got postponed. And we all said it was a shame we didn't play older shot, you know, at the time, cause we'd, we'd just come back off a win against somebody and then the older shot game got postponed and yeah. uh, it sort of stunted our progress. Well, we haven't had any progress at any point this season. So quite frankly, given our, our up and down form, our ability to chuck in one good game and three bad games, I, I, I'd love to be able to say 
I know what's going to happen. I, I can see the, the performance. I can see whatever. I just hope that for the supporters that go there, that, that the players turn up and put on a decent showing because what's, what's unforgivable at any level is to be beaten by energy and, and desire and hard work. If, if you get beaten because you haven't got the quality, then that, there's nothing you can do about that. Yet if you haven't got the quality, you haven't got the quality. Yeah. But to get beaten because you're not applying yourselves and you're not concentrating and doing all the basics, that's, that's the unforgivable bit. So like I say, for, for the supporters that travel and for Lapsley, Nico Lawrence and Aaron Jarvis, I hope the rest of the players turn up. That, that, that's all I hope at this stage because games are running out thick and fast. We've got 13 left. We're going to need, say, five wins minimum. And out of those 13 games, we've still got to play Wrexham, Chesterfield, Solihull. We've still got yeah. to play sides that are right up at the top of that division. Yeah. So those those yeah. five wins of March is is huge because you you know you look at it and you got older shot. Then then obviously we've got Solihull next Tuesday. Following that, it's Wealdstone, Gateshead, and then Dagenham and Boreham Wood. Well, Wealdstone and Gateshead are the two games that you've got to get your, your two wins in. And then if you can win one either side of that, as I say, those those are the points at which we're either we're either going to do it or we're not. And yeah. And at the moment, it's probably looking like we're not going to do it because there's no confidence there. Yeah, no, I I, I think that's uh seems a fair assessment. Uh Chris, how do you see it unfolding? I, I think we need to get at least a point there because if we lose against Aldershot, we're probably going to lose against Solihull and then you've lost five games in a row. Yeah. And prior to the five-game stretch, we were in pretty decent form. I mean, you know, I was just looking earlier and we've, prior to the Dorking game, we were feeling pretty good. Um, yeah. But five losses in a row would be, you know, enormous pressure. And if that happens, it's, I don't, doesn't matter if you beat Torquay and uh, Wilson and Gates said, you're still too far behind. So I think we need a positive result. I think a draw would be decent. A win would be fabulous. Oldershot have been pretty streaky this season. So we hope we get the the, the six one version rather than the you know the team that had to concede an injury time goal against Wrexham to lose. So um yeah I as Nick says March is is pro I don't, don't want to kind of oversell it but it's probably the biggest month in the history of the club. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because if we do go down, I don't know if any of us have faith that we'll still have a club for much longer. So um, if if we can manage to stay up, I think there's a chance that eventually we'll get a new owner. I don't know who's going to find the money to pay off Clark Osborne. Um, but it's something we could think about another day. If we're back in the Conference South, I, I don't really see a way back. And maybe that becomes the level of Talk United. Maybe we yeah. become... A quiz question, you know, what team was in the league for 100 years of its existence and now plays in the Conference South? Like, Yeah, yeah, you never know. We might just become that pop quiz question. Well, I certainly hope we do get the result at Oldershot. I think we, we certainly need it. Um, that's about all we've got time for, gents. Uh, Chris, thank you very much for your time, mate. Thank you. Uh, and thank you very much, Nick. Thank you very much. Uh, I've been Will Taylor. This has been Talking Talkie. Uh, thank you so much for joining us.